It is written. The Gospel of Luke says, even though all of heaven and earth will pass away, my word will remain true forever. It is written. The book said to hide this in your heart and it's to consume of this thing constantly. The Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was the Word. It is written. Is this actually what that scripture is saying? It is written. Hey friends, open your Bibles to John chapter 8, John chapter 8. If you don't have a traditional Bible and you want to use one, just raise your hand and one of my friends will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep that. It's our gift to you. Or you can take your smart device and you can open up the version or the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded. If you're watching us live on our online campus or one of our many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility, I love you guys. I'm so glad that you're part of our family and I'm so glad that you are part of our family too. So grateful for everybody who's here today. And so welcome to week number four in a series of messages that we've been in that we're just calling It Is written and it's really been robust. It's been heavy, deep, intense. And so I thought I'd take a little breather today, if you would. And, and when I say that, I mean, I want to give you something that's really practical, something that you can plug and play in your life today, uh, because this was actually going to be the last week of the series, but instead I added another week. And so we're going to do one more week next week so that I could answer a question that I've gotten several times since we've started this series. I want to talk to you next week about two things. Number one, about how did what we see in our Bible actually get in? our Bible, like how was it chosen? How did it get in there? And number two, I want to talk to you about the different translations because I, I think a lot of people are like, bro, what's up with all the different versions? Like you have the KG, KJV, you got the NKJV, you got the NIV, you got the ESV. Like you sound like you're an Atlanta rapper when you start listing the different versions of the Bible. And so I want to talk to you about those, what those are, why we have those, what the difference is between them. But first, I want to talk to you about holding on to God's word. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful to you, grateful for you. Thank you for this day. Your word says this is the day that you have made. And so we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. And so today we empty our hearts of us so that we can make room for you. God, in that room, in that space, in that volume that has been opened up, God, I pray that you would saturate us, fill us, change us so that when we leave here, we won't be like us anymore, but instead we'll be like you as we hold on to your word. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. And so I want to start where I ended last week, actually in the eighth chapter of the gospel of John, where Jesus said, if you hold on to my teaching, or if you hold on to God's word, he says, you really are my disciples. And so he gives us a challenge. He says, hold on to my word. But then he also gives us a promise. He says, if you'll hold on to my word, then you'll know. And that word know here comes from the Greek word ginosko. And that word means to hang on to something intimately. So it doesn't just get into your head. Instead, it gets into your heart. 
so that you know when you know or when you hold on to that truth. What truth? The word. It goes from your head to your heart. And when it does that, here's what happens. It says the truth will set you free. I want you to think about any area of your life that's challenging for you right now. Your marriage, your money, your job, your emotions, your hunger for growth, your, your hunger for change. Well, well, this right here is the process. It's the formula. If you want success in any one of those areas, if you want freedom or if you want change in any one of those areas, you have got to get it from here in your head to here in your heart. And that only happens when you hold on Ginosko, when you intimately, passionately, personally hold on to God's word. So I want to show you how. I want to show you how to hold on to God's word. And I want to do that by giving you four things today. Here's the first. If you want to hold on to God's word, you have got to make it the foundation of your life. You have to make it foundational, meaning everything else in your life has to be built upon the word of God. It, it's what a foundation is. It's your base. You don't see a foundation, but they're there. And the quality of any structure is dependent upon the quality of its foundation that it's built upon. And so the quality of your marriage, the quality of your emotions, the quality of your finances or your parenting, the quality of your life is conditional upon, it is contingent upon how strong your foundation is. God's word needs to be foundational to your life. Jesus talked about himself in the gospel of Matthew. Watch this. This is what he said. He said, everyone who hears these words and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock or builds his house on a solid foundation. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew. They beat against that house and yet it did not fall. Why? Because it was built on a strong foundation. It had its foundation on the rock. And I hate to tell you this. I know that you come to church to be encouraged and we want to encourage you. So I hate to tell you this, but life is going to have its share of storms. And when those storms come, I don't want you to be ill-prepared. I don't want you to fall. I don't, I don't want you to collapse. I don't, I don't want you to cave in. And it's really easy. I mean, like it's even tempting for us to build our lives on the wrong things. And I think that there's some miscommunication on what those things are that we can build our lives on that, that are wrong. And so I want to get, I mean, there's lots of things that, that you could build your life on that you shouldn't be building your life on. But I thought, let me give you kind of what I would think would be the top four things not to build your life on. And the first is this. Number one would be popular culture. Do not build your life on popular culture because the world has this increasing sense that it should be telling us which way that we should live. Like we're not in control. Like media thinks it's in control and advertising thinks that it's in control. And so the world is increasingly trying to tell us which way to live. But culture is like diet plans. They come and uh, they go. I I've been on lots of them. And apparently for me, none of them have worked. I mean, it used to be you should never eat carbs. So don't eat any carbs. And then the guy who came up with that diet plan, he 
he died with high cholesterol. And then they tell you, you should only eat carbs. And, and then you would eat carbs. And then I felt like if I ate a oyster cracker, I would gain 10 pounds. And then there was the zone. And then there was like the, the uh, portion diet. And then a guy came out with a diet. This was the craziest thing. He bought a 1950s house and the cupboards were too small for the plates to fit in, the normal plates that we have. And so he had to go and buy these like antique plates and they were really small and really small bowls. And so so he only filled his antique plate and so like he called it like the antique diet and, and he, he lost a lot of weight but they come it's like a hotness one month and then the next month you're putting butter in your coffee and, th- and then they go as quick as they come they go so just like diets change culture changes but there is one thing that does not change and that is truth truth never changes. It's why for me personally, I have to regulate how much popular culture I actually even allow into my life. And so when I'm watching TV, when I'm going to the movies, when I'm, when I'm listening to music, I have to ask myself, how much of that do I really want infecting me? Because whatever you spend time on invades and infects your life and it starts to get inside of you. And, and there's lots of of different versions uh, in scripture that talk about that. Lots of verses that, that talk about this. But the, but the book of Exodus has this really great scripture. It says, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. I mean, it, it couldn't be any more simple than that. And so here's a secondary not to build your life on is tradition. And, and this one might surprise you, but a, a lot of people have built their lives on tradition rather than truth. Now, there's nothing wrong with tradition. I love tradition. I'm actually a relatively traditional guy, even in church, which I know is uh, something that may surprise you. But like, I love old songs, y'all. When, like when I'm, when I'm by myself and I'm just getting me a little Jesus time, like I'm, I'm not singing the New Hill song. Like, I, like I'm singing Majesty by Jack Hayford, you know, Majesty. Worship his majesty. Y'all don't even know that song. That song is so old, but it is so dope. I love old songs. I love old buildings. I love liturgy. I actually even love the pageantry of church. Like when I was a youth pastor, every year at our church in Tacoma, Washington, we we did a thing called a cantata. A cantata. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Old church people know what a cantata is. We actually did two of them. We did one at Easter and uh, it was the whole thing with the dressing up and the Bible costumes, the donkey on the stage, the, 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 the most muscular guys you could find in the church with the Roman soldier costumes on with the gold plastic breastplate and the helmets with the bottom of the broom glued on the top. But Christmas, y'all, that was our jam because we always did the same cantata. Every year we did the singing Christmas tree and it was a huge built thing where people would stand on it. It was in the shape of a Christmas tree and people would be arranged in it and they would be dressed in green and they'd just sing all the Christmas songs. And we did like 17 performances of it. All of them sold out at $20 a ticket and people came from all over the state. And man, I loved it. I so looked forward to when we were going to do the singing Christmas tree because I love tradition. But a lot of times people hang on to tradition at the expense of truth. And honestly, a lot of churches have done this. A lot of churches have made the choice that they want to hang on tradition rather than on truth. And they'll hang on to something that's a hundred years old while they don't mind changing what the Bible says. And Jesus talked about this. He said, he said, you've let go, watch this. You have let go of the commands of God but you are holding on to human traditions. Don't build your life 
on tradition. Here's another one a lot of people build, the, their founda- build on their foundation of reason. Reason, which, which means I thought about it and here's what seems right to me. So, so we've redefined a lot of things that the Bible is neither silent nor unclear about. Marriage, sexuality, the sanctity of life. We, we've redefined all of those things because we thought about it. And, and this is actually what seems right to us. But the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it's going to kill you. In the end, it leads to death. Don't build on reason. Here's the fourth thing that we, we cannot have be our foundation is feelings. And, and this is the most ridiculous one to build your life on because your feelings, they'll lie to you all the time. You ever had your feelings lie to you? Like they're wonderful. I love feelings, but but they can't be trusted as a guide for your life. Anytime you trust your feelings instead of God's word, it's going to end bad for you. Chaos is going to be right around the corner. If you want to hold on to God's word, you have to make it the foundation of your life. Here's the second way to hold on to God's word is make it the first part of your daily life. And this is a challenge. This, this is really actually quite difficult for people because it's difficult to get yourself into good habits. But even though it's challenging, it is totally doable. Let me, let me show you how, actually better yet, let, let Jesus show you how. He said these words. He said, seek first. Now I want you to think about the things that you do first, because first things are really important to God. What's the first thing that you do with your time? What's the first thing that you do with your energy? What's the first thing that you do with your finances? God really is interested in first things. So Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things. What things? Well, the whole chapter leading up to this was about worry and it was about needs. So if you've got needs, you have a choice. You can either worry about them or you can trust God with them. You can either worry about them or you can seek God before you worry about him. You can seek first because when you seek him first, then he's going to take care of your needs. And in the process of taking care of your needs, he's going to take care of your worry. And you can say it this way. When you focus on God, God focuses on you. And so I want you to seek him first, which is why I gave you a challenge. If you were here last week, I gave a little challenge for, for give me a year. If you'll just give me a year and do a few things it will revolutionize your life. Uh, but because we have so many new Jesus people, I thought I, I wanted to come back. I wanted to talk about that a little bit more. I actually kind of wanted to expand on it a little bit this week. So we're going to call this the first 15 challenge. And I want every one of you, if you're comfortable, I want you to do this with me. It's called the first 15 challenge, meaning I want to challenge you to give the first 15 minutes of your day to God every day. And y'all listen, I know you're busy. Everybody's got 15 minutes. I know, I know you don't have a lot of margin. I know you don't have a lot of time. There, everybody is running in a thousand different directions. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have 15 minutes that we can give to God. And, and so I want to propose that you do three things in the first 15 minutes of your day. First, I want you to spend five minutes in the Bible. Now, for me, I'm in a reading plan. I do it, I do it on my YouVersion app, but I also have a, real Bible that is the one-year Bible. And for me, that's like a 15-minute-a-day read. It, it's a little bit of Old Testament. It's a, it's a little bit of New Testament. It's a psalm, 
and it is a proverb. It's kind of like going to a buffet, you know what I'm saying? It's like the old country buffet. We get a little old, a little new, a little psalm, a little proverbs. Now, if you don't want to do all that, you, you can just take our little daily devotional that we give away for free. And in that little book, every day, it has a scripture and it has a, a short article. I actually listen to that. I have the app. And so I listen to that with my kids every day that I drive them to school. For, for y'all old folks like me, you'll get this. It's kind of like the Reader's Digest plan. It's just so short. It's just such a little blurb. It actually takes less than five minutes. So five minutes, all right, five minutes. That's all I'm asking you. I'm just asking you to try this because here's what's gonna happen. Scripture says, his word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Don't know where to go. Don't know what to do. His word is that lamp. His word is that guide. And it'll give you wisdom for your appointments. It'll give you wisdom for what texts or what emails to send or which ones to ignore, which ones to reply to. It'll give you wisdom for your job and at your school. Okay, here's the second five minutes. I want you to spend five minutes in worship. Five minutes worshiping God. And, and worship can be confusing for some people. So, so worship just means showing love and devotion to something. And we all worship something, whether it's a team, whether it's a person, whether it's your kids, whether it's your job, we all worship something. So why not just channel that and worship God just for five minutes? Like you don't even have to sing. Like worship isn't like we're gonna walk around the house and sing. You can just listen, listen to one song. It's amazing how it will soothe the savage beast inside of you. I mean, I mean, some of you, when, when you think about it, all, all you got to do is think about what you have to do that day and, and you'll get all worked up and, and then you put on some Jesus music and you worship God, your face will start to soften. And some of you experienced that in the music today when you came into church and, and you came in today with your tail tucked or your feathers ruffled. You came in and your throat was raw from shouting at each other all the way here. And some, some of y'all's arms are, are sore from backseating your kids. You know what I'm talking about? Get over here. Your deltoids are, are a little messed up because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to lay hands on your kids on the way over here. But, but you came in and a song came on. And somebody started playing a guitar or started playing a keyboard. And somebody hit a harmony and you heard the name Jesus. You felt something. You, you felt that stress start to melt away, that frustration start to melt away. Your anger, it started to dissipate because worship is powerful. You say, well, Sean, I, I don't have any good worship. All right, well, we got you. If you go on Spotify, if you don't know what Spotify is, find a teenager, they'll tell you what it is. And if you go on Spotify, we've already uploaded a list for you with all the songs that our team is, is doing right now. Just go in there and search that Life Church Green Bay Worship and it'll give you all sorts of songs. I was listening to it last night and there's, there is a lot of music on there. You say, well, why would you do that? Because, because scripture says, I will worship the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Here's, here's the third five minutes. I want you to spend five minutes in prayer. Now, some of you could spend way more time than that. You've been doing the Jesus thing for a minute. So you, you can spend way more time than that. But for some of you, that's a stretch. But I promise you, in five minutes, you will not run out of stuff to say. But if you're stressed out about how to spend those five minutes in prayer, here's your verse, okay? It, it gives you two things. It says, don't be anxious about anything. 
But in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That verse gives you your prayer outline. A, thank God. Then B, tell them your requests. And you have to do it in that order, by the way. Just, just like this, like God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this family. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this car. Thank you for this snow. The devil is a liar. You, like you could easily spend a solid minute just thanking God for all the stuff that you have in your life. Then you say something like this, God, now I've, th- I've thanked you. Now here's my list. Here's what I got going on. Here, here's what I'm concerned about. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's what's frustrating me. Here's who is frustrating me. Like, y'all, listen, if you would just stop gossiping to your girlfriend and start gossiping to Jesus, you'd have plenty of stuff to pray about, okay? Because if you follow that outline, here's the outcome. He said, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, will guard your mind in Jesus. Come on, somebody, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want peace to surpass Everything you say, you mean five minutes of thanking God and giving him my day will change my life? Yes, a hundred percent. And you don't even have to take my word for it. Put it to the test. Now, let's take it a step further. We're going to make it foundational. We're going to make it the first part of our day. Then if you want to hold on to God's word, you have to make it grow deeper. The depth of your relationship with Jesus is not up to me. That is not my job. The depth of your relationship with Jesus is actually up to you. So some people, some people came here, not many, but some people came here because they said they weren't getting fed somewhere else. Can I tell you, it is not my job. It's not any pastor's job to feed you. That's your job to feed you. We're just supposed to prepare it and put it out. And then you, you could put it in. If you only ate once a week, you'd be hungry. And so that is no one else's job but yours. Only you have control over how much Jesus you have in you. Only you have control over how much of his word is inside of you. You have to make it go deeper. So, so let me show it to you in scripture. It says, it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. That means get it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So, so let, me give you, let me give you a little illustration. I've, I, I brought this little thing out here. I'm not, I'm not much of a hot tea drinker. I'm more of a a coffee guy, though uh, there is great tea and coffee at the exchange, but uh, in downtown De Pere. But this glass, this glass represents your life. And, and this tea bag that I have, this is Irish breakfast tea. Come on, somebody. This represents God's word. And when you take a Sunday and you make a Sunday service, the only time you spend time with God. Watch this. You're going to dip it in. And it, it's going to change. It'll change a little bit. It's, it's minuscule. It's changed. Maybe, maybe that's the, the level of what uh, these messages do for you. They just, they just give you a little color. But watch this. Dip it in one more time. And dip it in one more time. And dip it in one more time. Watch what happens, though, when you put this thing and you let it sit, you let it soak, you let it saturate. You see, when you dip it in, that's you reading your Bible, that's you praying. Those are, those are little dips, but when you decide you're gonna make this thing the foundation of your life, the cornerstone of your life, everything about you changes. 
And some of y'all just need to get a few more dips going on. And you say, Sean, what's going to happen? If you get a few more dips, you're going to start to take on the nature of the thing that influences you. You're going to start to look different. You're going to have a Mm, you're going to have a different aroma about you. You're, you're, going to have, you're going to have a new flavor about your life. And it is amazing what a difference you're going to see. Okay, so, so well, you say, well, what are those dips? It's that first 15. That first 15 of your day, the five, five, and five, it'll change the complexion of your life. Here, here's the fourth way to hold on to God's word is make it a weapon for the challenges of your life. Yeah, the Bible says we are in a war. Sometimes we have painted Christianity to be this mamby-pamby, wimpy, campfire, kumbaya movement. But this is war, y'all. Winds are going to blow. Rain is going to fall. Streams are going to rise. Because there is an enemy, the devil, who hates you. He hates your marriage and he hates your kids. He hates your peace and your prosperity. He hates your joy and he hates your sanity. So he wants to kill all of those things. So watch what the Bible says. It says, put on the full armor of God so that when, not if, it says so that when, because it's coming. And again, I'm sorry to tell you this. I'm sorry to break the bad news to you. But winds are going to blow. Waters are going to rise. There is going to be a battle in your life and for your life. It's, it's coming. So when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. How? If you put on the full armor so you won't fall, so you won't fail, so you won't be a statistic or a casualty. Put on the full armor of God. You say, well, how do I stand my ground? Well, the scripture gives you a lot of armor. It, it lists a lot of different defenses, but there's only one weapon on the list. It says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What does that mean? It means you're supposed to use the Bible as a weapon. In fact, look at how the message, which is a paraphrase, and I'm going to talk about that next week. Look at what it says. It says, God's word is indispensable. It says it is an indispensable weapon. It means you cannot and will not survive the attacks of the enemy without the word of God. Even Jesus used it that way. In Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, Scripture says that Jesus was tempted three times by the devil. And all three of those times, Jesus said, look at this. He said, it is written. And then he quoted a verse back to the devil each time, that, which means that you should have a few scriptures that you have memorized. You, you should have a few verses that you have memorized too. Now, I don't actually have a whole lot of Bible verses memorized. I have a terrible memory. I, I don't know if it's uh, my life before Jesus combined with the, uh, the concussion protocol from a lot of years of football, but I have a very hard time memorizing things. But there are a few verses that I have put deep into my heart just for the inevitable times when I am facing a challenge. Like when I'm facing a financial challenge, I know that my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. When somebody in my house gets sick, I mean, we take them to the doctor. I mean, really, Pastor Sonny's first MO is she asks, how much water have we drank? And then we try vitamins and we try emergency and we try essential oils, but we do go to the doctor. 
But I'm also going to be quoting my weapon that says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Never forgets any of the benefits and he heals all my diseases. When I go to the dentist, I say, (laughs) crown him with many crowns. Well, that's not in the Bible, but that's funny though. There is a dentist verse though. Psalm 81 says, open wide thy mouth and I will fill it. (laughs) Those, Those are worse than dad jokes. Those are pastor jokes. Are you with me? But seriously, when you have fear going on, Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When the enemy tells you you're small, you've got a weapon against them. Luke 10, 19, 10, says, you have been given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, given power over all the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. First John says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 8 says, I have made you more than a conqueror through him who loved you. You will be under attack. So listen, if you're going to be in a fight, you better learn how to fight. And you have to make God's word your weapon. Instead of being afraid of the enemy and running the other way, you have got to fight. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Fight for your peace. Fight for your sanity. Fight for your dreams and your destiny. But how? You wonder, how do I do that? Well, let me give you one last verse. It's in the 119th Psalm. The 119th Psalm, incidentally, is the longest chapter in the Bible, it'll take you about 20 minutes just to read this one chapter and every bit of it is about God's word. And in it, it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That should perk up the ears of every parent who is raising a teenager. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Here's how, by living according to God's word. So God, I am going to seek you with all my heart. God, I've got 15. I got 15 I can give you. Please don't let me stray from your commands because here's a promise that I want to pray over you, that you would hide God's word in your heart so that you might not sin. Your life can change. Your life will be better if you will do that. If you will hold on to God's word and if you will hide it in your heart. Would you bow your heads with me all across this place? You know, we need him in the battle and in the day, but some of us don't even have him on the team. We don't even have him in our life. And so this morning, I'm gonna ask with every eye closed and every head bowed that you will raise your hand in a second and make eye contact with me that you need Jesus, that you just gotta get him on your team, in your heart, so that then when you start your day, there's already a relationship that started. We're not gonna center you out. I'm not gonna have you walk the aisle, come to the front. We're not gonna center you out. What we are gonna do is pray with you at the end, everyone in the room, we're gonna pray the same prayer that we could ask Jesus into our life. And some of us again, and some of us for the first time. So by raise of hand, if you'll just look at me, will you say, I need Jesus in my life today by raise of hand. You can do that now. Thank you. 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 This side. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Did I miss anybody that you didn't see me look you in the eye? All right, oh, over here, thank you. All right, everyone in this room, just pray with me, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I need you. Come into my life, come into my heart, change me. I repent, 
I ask your forgiveness because I'm a sinner. I need you in Jesus' name, amen.